Our guest today is Annie Del Rey. Annie is a health and wellness coach who has worked with hundreds of clients. She earned her bachelor's degree in psychology and the master's degree in wellness coaching, focusing on stress and anxiety. We reached out to Annie to discuss why everyone seems to be so stressed out these days. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I looked up your profile online and it's really fascinating. It looks like you've been researching stress and mental health for a while now. Can you tell me a bit more about what you found? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I would say like funny enough, I graduated with my master's in integrative wellness coaching went in 2020. So May of 2020, I'm graduating and March was like the lockdown or um, technically, I guess, whatever the lockdowns was like, I was pretty much there for that wave. And it was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. I was writing a 25 page capstone project, putting together studies to prove the effectiveness of health coaching for anxiety and stress. I'm studying. Um, one was like a Naval Academy was a study. Another one was um, patients after they had heart surgery. Another one was um, students. So I'm gathering all these studies proving that this works. And then I graduate and people are like, I need help with stress and anxiety. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I get it that the pandemic is obviously an acute stressor, but it seems like we were pretty stressed before that too, right? So why are we so stressed? Yeah, I mean, that's, you really hit the nail on the head. People were suffering before COVID and then by the time they got to me, they were like, yeah, everything's exasperated. I wasn't doing great before, but everything is exasperated. Um, and I would say a big thing is, I would say a big thing is time management. And because of the lack of time management, it leads to a lot of stress. And if that one thing was um, conquered better, it would bleed into all other areas of life. So what exactly do you mean when you say time management? Is it just better planning? Is it putting everything on the calendar? Is it bucketizing and budgeting different amounts of time for different activities? What is that exactly? Um, actually, like all of the above. <laughs> or um, one of the first things I, because I work with mostly professionals um, or students who are also professionals. But uh, and, and why I say that is because they go to work, they, they have a job, whether it's full-time or part-time. And so what everyone is saying or looking for is work-life balance, work-life, how do I get work-life balance? But um, that's a myth. That's a myth. And most people do not want balance. Like at the end of the day, do you want 50% work and 50% family time? Probably not. By the time I talk to my clients about it, they're like, no, Annie, of course I don't want to spend half my time at work. Well, then why the heck are you looking for balance? So <laughs> um, I changed that word to harmony. How can we have this work-life harmony? And when we start looking for that as opposed to balance, wow, I have a lot more time to figure out what I, um, wow, no wonder I'm happy. I'm spending so much time in this one area that actually isn't as important as another. Okay, so I want to poke a little bit at this kind of framework <laughs> that you're setting up because I'm trying to figure out whether it's really generally applicable or just happens to be the case with a subset of people that you're talking to, right? Mm. 
there are people in the US who are unemployed or on disability, who are not working, who are not facing this kind of conundrum of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're more stressed than ever as well. So, or at least if we're looking at deaths of despair, all the other things that come with it, right? It seems like they are actually affecting this population more than the working professional population. So is time management the primary driver of increased stress in our society? Or is it just that we are somehow unable to cope with everything and time just happens to be one of those things? Um, a little bit of both. So for example, there's so um, one of the reasons is for so much stress is because there's no prioritizing or sense of direction. So they're not even clear on what to do. So we're roaming around life. Oh, I hope my cousin gets me a job. Oh, I hope uh, I find a $100,000 job, but it's you know, um, I'm complaining I don't have health benefits if I take this job, but um, a lot of excuses. So what they're doing is wasting time. So it's going against them. Um, I'm sure um, I'm sure when you were a student, you can remember the idea of having an assignment and stressing it, stressing it, stressing your homework, doing it at the last minute and spend. So you spent more time stressing it than you did doing the assignment. So people are spending more time stressing money than making money or looking for outlets. So they say, you know, oh, the job market, there's nothing there. Do you know how many free certifications are online? You have all this time and you're wasting it. Like you scrolled TikTok for two hours. Why are you telling me you don't have time to take a certification course or go on LinkedIn and take a few courses and add that to your resume? So again, we're kind of going in towards this, what seems to me like a narrow scenario of, I want something, I'm not achieving it, therefore I am stressed out. That, does that describe the framework that you kind of laid out? Um, I believe so. I believe, yeah. Okay. Well, then my next question is, is that the general source of all stress in society? Or is that a subset of highly ambitious people who are not achieving as much as they'd like? But then there is an entirely different group of people who don't have any ambitions. They just want to be left alone. They're still mm -hmm. being stressed out because something keeps bombarding them with stressors anyway. Do you not find that those two groups exist? Do you think that ultimately they're the same and I'm just looking at it wrong? I think um, people pretend they don't want more and they're content, but those are also the first people to complain. Interesting. So for example, you don't know what you don't know. So before working with me, you might not have any clear goals and, and it doesn't have to be a financial goal. It could be to live healthier. Uh -huh. Okay. You're stressed because your health isn't good. How often do you walk a week? How much water do you drink? It doesn't mean you're going and doing hard body at the gym. You have to get a trainer, but, um, actually I should probably start with this. Let me start with something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> When people first meet with me, something I make them do is called the wellness wheel, or uh, some people know it as the wheel of life. So um, think of a pizza pie and the different slices are different areas. So physical, um, physical health, mental health, finances, environment, friends and family. So all these different areas of your life. So some people might be like, and, and I have them score it one to 10, 10 being I'm amazing. One being, oh, I'm, I'm suffering. So 
I have never met someone that's all tens. I haven't even met someone that's all nines. I don't even think all eights. That would mean every area, right? So as humans, most likely there's an area that we're not as happy as we'd like to be, whether we're working or not. So it may be, um, I wish I was less shy. I wish I was more confident. A lot of people say, I want to be happy. That's great. I want happiness for you too. What does that mean? Because we can't measure happiness, but we can measure how much time you spend with family and friends. We can measure how long you, uh, you do hobbies. Uh -huh. Does this make sense? Am I even answering? Yeah. What changed in the past 20, 30, 40 years? It seems like humans always wanted more than they have in all of these fears that you just outlined. That gap between what we want and what we're getting seems to be growing larger. Or is it just that we are coping with the fact that there is a gap in a worse way? Um, I think what happened is it was more in your face. So 20, 30 years ago, um, like things were starting to get on the news. But even more recently, right, last, I don't mean I'm messing up the math, but like the last 10 years was all social media. So um, 40 years ago, you saw your neighbors and friends, sometimes you traveled. But then the news came out and it was in your living room and then you watched it with your kids and then your kids saw um, like the Brady Bunch and they saw this perfect family and they saw um, all these siblings who kind of fight but always make up. Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, and then you got on social media. You saw the girl that you're, um, you're in your 20s and there's a girl from high school you can't stand and you saw that she bought a house before you. She had a baby before you and her husband's better looking than yours. Like, of course, they're not going to admit that, but um, no wonder you're not happy. You're stressed out. You're reaching for a life that's that um, someone else created. So the, that comparison game. As an engineer, I'm immediately trying to turn this into a kind of equation, right? So you're essentially saying that most of us right now are raising the standards of what we want from life but what we are achieving is roughly the same as it was, right? So that gap is widened because the desired outcome has moved upward because social media shows us people's perfect Instagram feeds, essentially. What I would like to ask is, does the converse problem also exist? That our perception of our own situation is worse now because every time we turn on the news, it seems like everything around us is blowing up, stabbing here, bombing there. Uh, the political system is about to blow apart. Everybody's corrupt. And that's what we see all day. So is it the case that we can even evaluate whether or not our own life is good or not? Um, so first, I do think the gap is what they're noticing. So yes, they're noticing this like big gap and not feeling good about it. But oh, the second half of the question. Um, Oh, when they see these things, how are they reacting? Yeah, they're um, essentially a lot of people are giving up. Oh, the, the world's going to hell anyway. Why do I care? Or um, the homeless population's getting bigger. Um, but let me think. Let me think of something better than this. <laughs> let me think of something better than this. I, I would just say the hopelessness of it. Um, and the out of reach, like, oh, the elites can do that, but we can't. 
Oh, only millionaires change. Oh, you have to be in Congress in order to make any type of change. And let's say all of these things are true. Let's let's just put it out there. I don't think it is, but you're not even going to try. You're not like, but you are going to complain. You're going to complain to your family and friends and stay in that negative mindset as opposed to, I would say I teach this to every single client at some point is concentrate on when you, what you can control and let go of all the things you can't. So that is kind of where I was going with the question, right? You mentioned that people are losing hope. Well, if you lose hope, you'll be unhappy. But it seems to me like if you start fighting windmills, you will also be unhappy. So <laughs> the same people complaining about politics, well... Sometimes they also go and start picketing politics, but they end up being just as unhappy because now they tried and failed. It seems like the solution for both of them is to just pick a goal that they can actually affect, right? Something that you can handle (laughs) and create some order in. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. It, It's um, finding what you can control. You can't control if your job your boss is a jerk, but you can control if you work there or you can control how you react when he says things. You can't control your kids for the most part, right? Like let's say your kids are in your twenties. You can't control them, um, but you can control how you react to them. You can control if you fund their lifestyle, right? Like you can control if they live with you. There's a lot of choices, but, or even adults blaming their parents. I'm like this because in childhood blank, give me a break. After you're 18, it's time to figure it out. That's It's called adulthood. It might be harder, but I don't want to hear a 55-year-old telling me because of his their parent, they're bad at communication or they can't have healthy relationships. Like That's an excuse. All right. So now I'm going to try to combine all the different angles that we touched into one model, and then you will tell me how crazy it is. And only an engineer would come up with something like this. This all sounds to me like a problem with three parts, right? It's envision a bathtub, right? There's water pouring in, water pouring out. And then if it's pouring in faster than it's pouring out, then the bathtub overflows, right? So what you're talking about now sounds like some version of stoicism, right? Focusing on what you can control. That's like getting a bigger bathtub. (laughs) That's being able to handle more flowing Mm. your way properly, right? But it doesn't drain the water quite yet, right? And it doesn't stop the flow. Right. The flow is the Instagram feeds that give us unrealistic expectations and the bad news that keeps telling us how bad everything around us is. Right. Mm-hmm. And then getting the water out is, I don't know, meditating, <laughs> breathing exercises, doing right. something to cope with the stress that you have already accumulated. So which of these three should we focus on? Like my company is basically focused on the water flowing in. Right, how to clean up the news so you're not bombarded with junk all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? But it sounds like your practice is mostly focused on the personal coping, getting a bigger bathtub. I would I would say coping and deleting. So um uh, not even allowing yourself. I this is not the best term, but I call it idiot proofing. And what I mean by that is making it so 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 simple that you don't have to work so hard. So an example would be unfollow every single person on social media that doesn't make you happy. 
every single person. That alone will make your brain not have to work as hard because you're following positivity, you're following family, friends you actually like. So just removing that completely, you don't have to cope with comparison on social media if there's no one to compare to or a healthy comparison, right? Like, oh, I'd love to be um, a leader in my field. I'm following leaders in my field, but not that immediate jealousy. So uh, taking that 100% out of the equation or um, another thing would be replacing that. So, uh, which I guess is coping. So for example, seeing someone comparing and you get very jealous, what is the next behavior? Gratitude-less, do the opposite. Right now, all you're doing is thinking about what you're not getting. Let's put the positive on that. What do you have? A lot of us, clean running water. Not everyone, but a lot of people. Do you have a warm bed at night? A lot of people do. And again, not everyone, but for the people who do have these things, allowing that mindset shift instead of woe is me to be like, all right, I got this. You know, there's plenty of great things about me. What was Seneca doing? Sleeping on the floor, wearing rags and eating bread and water to remind himself that his normal life is way better than it could have been. I'm guessing like you could take that message to the masses and obviously on an individual level, it will work for every person who tries it. It sounds like a great tool, but most people won't even try it. It doesn't sound like a very appealing thing to do. Is there a way to systematize it to make the population happier <laughs> as opposed to trying to convince each one to do these uh, crazy exercises from 2000 years ago? You know, I would say if we were if we were taught it and to, to begin with uh, that, that phrase of just like, we don't know what we don't know. So if we were taught it in school, even a little bit, if our company is paid for, um, educating even a little bit, it, something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids, um, some of them thankfully learn about deep breathing or learn about meditation or quieting the brain. But a lot of kids don't. They say, oh, they have ADD or ADHD and we're going to put them on medicine. And I'm I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen or that kids shouldn't be diagnosed. But what I'm trying to say is there's solution or there's behaviors that you can try before doing something like that. And teaching behavior change should be um, should be the first the first step, but unless there's someone there to teach you, of course, you're not going to learn. As an engineer, I immediately think, can we build technical tools that do this? Are there any things that we can do that sort of mimic your practice and working with an individual, but make that easier for thousands, hundreds of thousands of people? Automate the reminders, perhaps? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of apps. There's a ton of apps that are free. And a lot of them, I'm sure you've seen on apps, then you pay for the premium version, but there's so many apps with free, um, uh, free options. So they do send the reminders. They do allow you to track your goals or what you're accomplishing. They do allow for accountability partners, um, communication. Like we have, <laughs> we have so much at our fingertips that we're not utilizing. All right. Now. I want to try to circle back to the very beginning. You said that the primary cause of stress, if you had to name one, it sounds like that was time management. How mm -hmm. can that tie into everything? 
Because it sounds like we covered mostly hedonic adaptation at the end, right? But time management is quite different. It's saying, well, no, 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 don't lower your bar. Just do more to get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> or do less of what's not serving you. And when you right. do what, what um, I guess, let me, I'll call it like the answer to time management mm -hmm. is prioritizing. So do you prioritize, you want more time with your family, but are you prioritizing that? No, you're working seven days a week and you're working 12 hour days. And not everyone does this, right? Or um, you spend more time at the bar than you do with your kids, or you spend more time watching the game than you do with your kids. I hope this doesn't sound sexist. I'm not just trying to say men do this and only men watch games or men go to the bar. <laughs> but um, prioritizing, what is number one to you? And um, let's say you're single and you say, my number one thing is health. Okay, are you prioritizing your health? What are you eating? And what movement are you doing? Oh, nothing. Uh, da, da, da. Um, no wonder you're miserable. You have no forward movement in your health. That's going to be upsetting. Yeah. That's leading to stress. That's hurting your heart. That's hurting your body. That's hurting your mind. On a personal level, I did a similar exercise a few months ago where I actually mapped out the average amount of time per week that I spend on various types of activities, which is again, mm -hmm. something an engineer would do. And I came up with very surprising results, like yeah. things that I thought were kind of routine waste of time almost ended up taking up at least 35 hours once I added them up together. Right. And 35 hours is like a third of the entire waking time. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. 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 So yeah, prioritization was sorely lacking. Uh, and things that you mentioned, like working out because health is important. They added up to maybe three hours, right? So clearly there's a disbalance there where 35 hours goes on routine, mindless things, and only three hours goes towards you know, keeping this body functional so that it can serve me for a few more decades, right? <laughs> yes. And... And actually you're, you're like 10 steps ahead. That is what I have clients do. It's called time blocking. And ideally it would be ahead of time. You would plan for the week ahead, which allows for priorities. But for people who aren't ready to do that, or the thought is too overwhelming, especially my clients uh, diagnosed with ADHD, I have them go backwards. So track, what did you do the day before? And then that's when they realize like, oh, I don't know what those three hours were. Well, it was Netflix. Like, <laughs> um, And then also for visual learners, I have them color code it. So like, what's an activity that made you money? What's your family and friends? What's one that's a waste? And that is a game changer for people because they don't want the color that's a waste, right? <laughs> so all of this makes sense. I guess if we try to wrap it up now that we've kind of covered all the different angles to this, what main message would you give to our listeners? What should they focus on? What's the one thing they should remember? I really think it's the idea of what can you and can't you control. Um, and a simple exercise would be whatever's upsetting you most, writing down that list. What can I control on this and what can I control? It'll, it'll allow for some great release if you actually do the activity. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annie. It was great having you on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. As you know, we cover similar topics, but from a different angle. Typically, we're more focused on the information people get as input into their brain. So the mm. fact that you're focused on how they process those inputs is kind of complimentary. So thank you so much.
Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks. <laughs> this has been another episode of The Other Web. Join us next time for more discussion on news, media, and the future of the information ecosystem.